254 stay woke because this is your weekly podcast on keeping alert on what's going on in the continent and just providing like a different perspective like you know what i mean (laughs) so for any new listeners um we have three segments on the show the first is the african gem section where we shout out somebody doing great things on the continent the second segment is called Polisoch, which is a play on words on social political issues. And the third segment is Shauriyako, which is the advice segment. Like, and it's been lit lately because y'all send in questions. I am so happy. So before we get started on African Gem, like, I just want to tell y'all like how my week has been. Now, it's been great. <laughs> And I have only ever had food poisoning once in my life a few years ago. Um, And I remember it lasted for about two to three days. And I remember, like, I felt bad, like, physically. And also, like, you know, everyone was kind of worried about me. They were like, oh, my God, that's terrible. But every day when I looked into the mirror, like, my face was looking like, you know, like, felt like like slender when I was looking at my waist too during that time I was like hold up this is a cleanse this is a detox like bruh I say that to say because this week I did get food poisoning again and <laughs> and what can I say it is the same result so your girl is living but you see that's the thing it only ever lasts a few days like I mean I don't want to wish this on myself, I guess, but, like, it would kind of be lit if I did have it for, like, I mean, I don't want to say that because, I mean, the effects are really hard to deal with. Like, even just, like, the bloating and just feeling like there's something stuck in your stomach. But, like, if that was to last for about two months and I could manage it with little to no pain, bruh, that would, like, I would be, like, bruh. I can't. So uh, maybe that's something we can discuss next time. Food poisoning, a means of weight loss. Who knows? <laughs> I can't. But let's get into our African gem this week. Our African gem this week is from Kenya. Her name is Lorna Ruzzo. Yeah, and she is what we call an ecopreneur. Eh? You know, a mix between her. Uh, environmentalist and uh, entrepreneur and this is basically because she has a social enterprise called EcoPost and what she basically does is provide an alternative to timber and basically manufactures what is called like plastic timber Um, and in this way she's not only tackling like waste management in terms of recycling plastic but also she's tackling deforestation because at the end of the day, like she's giving you an alternative to like cutting down trees or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, bruh, like multi-talented, multifaceted, and just like a multi-level intervention. Like, I just can't. And of course she's also employing youth, right? As in her business, like she's tackling youth, unemployment, deforestation, waste management, bruh, you know what I mean? 
And so basically, she uses these products as plastic timber with a social enterprise to make uh, fencing, uh, maybe like around your farm or just general fencing, road signage or something like stop signs, like, you know, on the continent or just like little um, things to hold up uh, signage on the roads. Sometimes people steal those here and try to um, sell them as scrap metal to like make extra uh, cash. So basically, if you if you use that, if you use EcoPost, it kind of um, stops people or acts as a deterrent to people from like ruining your signage, basically, because they ain't gonna make money from selling plastic again. You know what I mean? Um, EcoPost also uh, provides materials for like garden equipment, so like you know the things that you can put pots in, but also those nice little walkways that are made like out of wood and those pictures of gardens that you see. You know what I mean? She also uh, the social enterprise also uh, makes furniture for outdoors, like, you know, gates, like, it's, like, super cool. EcoPost, Lorna Ruto, I encourage you guys all to, like, go on the website, EcoPost. If you just Google it, EcoPost Kenya, it'll come up. And we're just here for a sustainable sister, you know what I mean? Like, we're just here for her. <laughs> So Lona Ruto, African Gem, thank you so much for tackling the issue that is waste management in such a creative way. We are here for you. Um, our polysoch eh, segment this week, eh, the theme is curves and nerves. Eh, you know, I, I'm thinking in 2019 that we'll do this, this whole thing about uh, topic themes that rhyme. Like, I mean, after all, your girl is a poet. Like, the least I could be doing is rhyming our theme topics. Um, and basically curves because there's a lot of twists and turns this week and nerves because a lot of people get on our nerves and also some people just have the nerve to do certain things now let's tackle curves i'm pretty sure you guys have all been hearing about this whole uh backlash and dialogue on miss kirby uganda and the whole idea kind of like started from the fact that uh ugandan contestant was in the miss world beauty pageants and i think she made it pretty far um and so basically you know they were like you know what i mean like in uganda the women are curvy so like you know what i mean like we need to have representation for these women in pageants therefore let's do a miss curvy uganda and we think that having this will not only result like present uh, representation for women that look like this on the uh, country, but also this can be used as a means of tourism. Now this is where things get iffy, right? Because there's like two different stories. So the reason why people worked up is that the minister of tourism, Godfrey Kiwanda, came out and was like, yes, women's scarves in Uganda are a tourist attraction. Eh? We completely support this pageant because people will see our women eh, and want to, you know, come to the country just to see the Kavi women. Now, this is what happens when you have a man kind of co-sign on the issue because I just don't know. So basically, everyone was like, you're canceled, bruh. Like, women are not a commodity. Like, you can't be like oh, tourists will come to this country just to see the curvy women and partake in them and just, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just, like, misogyny at best. And then it's also this idea of, once again, why are black bodies just for consumption? Like, you know what I mean? And the CEO, who is Anne Goma, the CEO of this Miss Curvy uh, 
uh, Uganda kind of came out and said like a lot of the things are being taken out of context because in her mind she was thinking about how in Brazil or in places that have the uh, carnivore and the girls are basically eating the beads, exposing their bodies. And she was saying like, you know, people come for those kind of events. And she was saying the pageant isn't just going to be necessarily about the curves, but it's going to feature as well, like where these women are from, like what tribes they're indigenous to and also the cultural aspects. Cause you know, like pageants that have like the little talents and they have the parts where they talk about themselves. So this is what she says her aim was, and that was what she meant by it could contribute to tourism because it would kind of mainstream this whole idea of, um, you know, what the women in Uganda also look like, where are they from, you know what I mean? Like essentially what everyone does, you put a pretty model to sell something and whatever. Now here's my thing. I am all for creating opportunities and activities that perhaps different kinds of women can partake in that they would usually not be able to. But here's my thing. I just feel like quintessentially on the continent, pageants in general should be like showcasing at most curvy women because literally that is on trend. Not saying that every woman on the continent or in specific countries are curvy, but it's more so to say like, if you know in Uganda, right, like, if you have a pageant, your pageant, because this is our continent, like we are the pioneers of culture, like you know what I mean? Pioneers of people looking different, right? Pioneers of shapely women. Like when we talk about beauty, all of that should be represented. Like we need to be a little bit more radical and even have the nerve to kind of challenge the status quo. Like if we're having a pageant in our country, there's no reason for us to be like Miss Curvy, yeah? Miss this, yeah? Because at the end of the day, we're responding to the colonial or to the Western frame of mind that beauty pageants are just for skinny women. But that is what they've like established as a standards of beauty over there. We have different standards, bruh. So in our pageant, it needs to be all encompassing from the jump. You know what I mean? Like curvy, skinny, square-shaped women, like we all got that in Africa and we need to be radical and just like feature that as a pageant. That's number one. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like um, this whole idea of, and even to, like, not even that, let's go a step further. Even when we are submitting contestants, right, to participate in, in international pageants, I just feel like as a continent, each year, we need to send <laughs> like a particular shaped woman, <laughs> not to meet the standards that they have prescribed, but a particular shaped woman, a particular look of a woman, and send that and be like, this, this is our submission for this year. Eh? And then if our curvy woman eh, or our big foreheaded square shaped Africa does not, does not make it far, yeah, then we can make the case of, you know, we're not even sending our women to your pageants. Like, you know what I mean? Like the whole idea that, I just don't, I feel like curviness is actually an attraction almost everywhere on the continent. I mean, I'm not gonna speak for North Africa because, you know, they've been canceled since forever. <laughs> And, you know, we, we got some Maasai's who are, you are just taller and skinny. But, you know, like, they are encouraged to, to get thick, yeah? You know what I mean? Like, curves are a loved and an endeared thing here. So I feel like making a separate, uh, you know, like, 
basically acting as if they're marginalized and they need to be propositioned up there. We all know why tourists come into Africa. You know they come in for these curves too. Like, you know what I mean? And not even just that. Like, the mere fact that you can say, like, you're going to have a pageant to attract tourists, basically have, like, curvy women to attract tourists. To me, it sells that whole idea of you're once again saying that curvy women are what are only beneficial for to make you money you know what i mean and that is not the cultural like culturally accepted thing on the continent like curvy women is just a norm like you know what i mean like i know like i mean I, I can't even explain it like you know like in western areas like the idea of beauty has changed like there was a time where curvy women were considered the anything but i feel like in african societies societies it's always like I mean, I can't think of when curves would not be, like, the end thing. I'm not talking about you got to be thick. I'm just talking about curves and, like, you know, just a little chubbiness is appreciated. Speaking as a curvy lady myself. <laughs> I can't. But, honestly, they should have just been, like, Miss Curvy Uganda and left the whole shit about tourist attraction. Because if you're talking about tourist attraction, people already come there for the landscape, you know what I mean? People come there for the gorillas. You should have been saying, like, let's mainstream our culture, right? And you could have been saying, like, we're going to mainstream our culture in a number of ways. One, the pageants. Two, this. Three, you know what I mean? Like perhaps changing how we are marketing like instead of using skinny women on our billboards because that's what western people do we can use what the quintessential woman in uganda looks like and of course there's like a wide range of what women look like but you know what i mean like i just feel like this thing could have been i don't know it could have gone very different ways like you could just i i don't know to me i'm like if you have miss Uganda, there is a high potential that different kinds of looking women would participate. And this would be so dope because it would show how we have a wide array and acceptance and tolerance and just appreciation for different kinds of looking women. We could have had that first pageant here, y'all. Like, but y'all want to be y'all Miss Curvy Uganda because thick women will bring us tourist attraction, right? Because white men are not used to seeing big booty behind. Eh, they came here for a reason, oh, from the beginning, oh, eh? They shipped us over there from the beginning, oh, for a reason, oh, eh? I can't. Um, so basically, they just canceled. Um, but coming down to Kenya, right, um, more so on the nerve side, um, a human rights activist, uh, Caroline Mwatha, um, she essentially is an activist for extrajudicial killings. So you know in Kenya, like, the police have received like several thousands of allegations of extrajudicial killings. And they're, we're so appreciative that a lot of activists are out here working on that matter. And it's really like uh, almost a dangerous, uh, a dangerous job basically that you know you sign up for as well because not only a journalist being attacked and killed all over the continent but just even in Kenya there've been so many stories about lawyers and activists who talk about extrajudicial killings going missing and dying so in the case of Caroline Martha she's was missing since February 6th right and so i think after she had missing she'd been missing for about 2 days um 
uh, actually even I think a day or two, Amnesty into uh, Amnesty Kenya. Um, Amnesty International in Kenya posted about her because again in her line of work you go missing you are probably like the high probability these people done got you and they're like torturing you or killing you or getting rid of you so you know they started tweeting about her and saying that she was missing so here we are uh, almost a week later actually a week later they have found Caroline um, in a mortuary um, and they basically found her there under a different name. That's why they weren't able to find her like the day that she had disappeared or the day after because they had logged her in there by a different name, allegedly. Now, here's the thing. When something is this highly publicized, you owe the people answers, right? Like, I feel like <laughs> this is why I really, I'm so happy about social media being like this tool of revolution around because at the end of the day, it is one of the ways that we can hold our um, representatives and the people who are supposed to protect us accountable. So of course, there's this whole hashtag going about like finding her. So of course, when she's found dead, people are like, Okay, why? Autopsy, please. Do our, do our autopsy, please. So we, we, we can know what happened. Because at the end of the day, we are, we are thinking the police just killed her. Eh? So the police today come up with this story. First of all, they say they're postponing the autopsy till next week. Why? Hmm? Why? If you, if you want to absolve yourself eh, or of any blame, eh? just do the autopsy and you tell us what killed unless you have something to hide yeah but they put the autopsy but they carried out an investigation on her text messages hmm? and allegedly they say that they have found communication between caroline watha and uh a clinic an owner of a clinic who they allegedly say Caroline had contacted to have an abortion. And basically they claim what this clinic did was they botched the abortion and then they uh, dropped her off at the mortuary, filed her in a different name and gave her a different cause of death as to why um, she was there. Now here's my thing. In this investigation, they have looked up who her boyfriend was, where he was, the name of these people at the clinic. They've even come forward and said that this clinic was not registered eh, with the medical board, eh? so it technically should not exist. Eh? Now, if you're going to be carrying out all these other investigations and be passing off this information as true, where is the autopsy to accompany you to? Just do the autopsy, eh? please. Proper investigation. Why are you even giving out details if you have not completed your investigation? Because at the end of the day, how am I supposed to trust this information? Yeah? How are we supposed to not look at this as a cover-up to what has really happened? And I just feel like as her family, like, you see, it's, it's a conundrum. Because at the end of the day, you're thinking we were able to find her because of this hashtag and basically uh, just maybe like and i feel like the family said that they did go to the mortuaries and look for her in the first like day or two and they didn't find her and i think it's because they were locked under a different name so then she sh does turn up in a mortuary that they already looked at her at um looked for her at and it's like okay that's the blessing maybe they looked at her the the body and were like oh my god this looks at like that photo that we were um that we were seeing being shared online 
But the catch-22 is that since it's been so publicized, like, if you really die because the police killed you, like, they're going to, like, corrupt all the stories. Even if they do an autopsy, they're probably going to do it shadily or, like, hide information. Um, so, basically, I'm going to be following up on this story because I just don't know to what lengths, well, I know, I was going to say, I don't know what to, to what length the, the police would go to cover up information, eh? but, but we know that too. <laughs> they will go to great lengths, eh? even death. Eh? Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, RIP Caroline Martha. Allegedly, the autopsy will take place next week. The thing that I love, KOT is already like, why? Why, why should an autopsy take one week? Eh? Just find out the cause of this woman's death. We care and we want to know. Um, we're going to be following up on this story. KOT is on Twitter basically demanding an autopsy like yesterday. So who knows? They postponed the autopsy till Monday, but we will see if it happens sooner. Hopefully it does. Now, someone else with a nerve. Huh? Do, 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 we're, going, we're going to all the way to Cameroon. Eh? Um, Jean de Dumomo. Eh? You know, every week, eh? my accent just shines. Just shines through the episodes. Eh? Just shines. <laughs> Jean de Dumomo, the deputy justice minister in Cameroon, was basically asked about what he thinks about Maurice Camto. Now, Maurice Camto was one of the uh, uh, candidates in the presidential elections in October in Cameroon. And he lost to Bia, of course. What, what did you expect, eh? Um, so basically, he's been urging his followers and also his parties to kind of protest the election, saying that they weren't free or fair. And late January, he was arrested. So Jean de Dumemo <laughs> was asked, you know, what, 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 do you, what do you think about this whole situation? Hmm? And now Jean de Dumemo have enough to say this. Eh? First, background information. Momo and Kamto are from the same tribe. They're called the Bamilekes. And they're like, uh, their stereotype is being the tribe that's super business savvy. Yeah, like good in business, have a really great standing um, economically, let's say, because of their, you know, businesses. So he basically said, Momo, when he was asked about Kamto, hmm, he said, Quote unquote, in Germany, there was a very rich community who wielded all economic power. They were so arrogant that the German people were frustrated. Then one day, a certain Hitler came to power and put them in gas chambers. Educated people like Mr. Kamto need to know where they are leading their people. Now, apparently by this, <laughs> What Jean de Du Momo was referring to, he was trying to tell Kamto, please stay out of the political arena, eh? because you're already dominating this economic one. Let's just be, you know, let's just be moving slowly and just keeping the peace, eh? because now they will turn against our people because we have the economic power, just like they did on the Jews. Now here's the thing, yeah, here's the deputy justice minister. You cannot be making light of the Holocaust publicly, bruh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, in, I feel like in the, I mean, when Amun was here, we kind of talked about this whole idea of how 
uh, when we're talking, as Africans, when we're speaking, like there's certain dramatics and theatrics or things that we just say point blank that perhaps would not sound as bad if we were losing our own mother tongue. But at the end of the day, right, you were talking publicly about uh, like a globally recognized issue, right? You know, you can't just make light of the situation. So he said that. Hmm? You, you was wanting to come to. But now, the embassy of Israel was not happy about this. Eh? They were just about a week or two before celebrating together. Eh? And then for the deputy justice minister to say something like this. Hmm? Now here's my thing. Of course they're not happy about this. And of course they are allowed to utter a statement about their, um, you know, being displeased about this, right? No problem there. But here's the thing. The government of Cameroon basically came out and um, they basically distanced themselves from Jean Dudu Momo. And they were like, you know, we don't support his statements. We're completely appalled by what he said. And they were irrelevant comments. And we completely dissociate ourselves with um, those statements. Like, we are not in support of that. Now, here's my thing. One, obviously. But two, why is it that, like... Because this is what I'm thinking, like, the we also need to be a little bit radical. Of course, if someone says something that is shady about someone else, if they're in government, I'm not looking at them to be speaking for the whole country, right? But there's this whole idea of even how our governments respond. Like, I get it. Maybe they're funding you and maybe you were feeling like you were doing PR. Just have the deputy himself write a statement, apologize, and him go public with it. Why do you as the government have to come and talk about the official that is in your government? We'll still continue to be a government and be like, we, we, we do not support the statements he was making. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we need to be presenting ourselves as a united front. I'm saying is it was not I don't think it was necessary for the government to be like oh just so you know we do not support what he was saying because at the end of the day he said that as an individual his opinion was asked the mere fact that you think he just said this in a public space about um, a people does not mean that this is the view of the whole nation or of the whole government of Cameroon like you know what I mean like when someone when Trump says shady ass shit right like no one the government okay he's the president so maybe that doesn't count but <laughs> how many white people are out here saying saying crazy things even in governmental positions eh? and the u.s government does not come and separate and disassociate themselves eh? because they are maintaining a united front eh? of course his opinions are not representative of the government his opinions are his opinions eh? you know africans i'm going to need us to get a backbone i'm going to need us to have the nerve eh? to just be a united front and i f and i feel like not to say that i'm tolerating what he was saying i just feel like as a government the way you kind of penalize him for saying that is by having him come out and make a statement a public one apologizing for that like you know what i mean like eh? We, we don't have to go against it eh, because it's the government coming against all the the soldiers killing the the, the war with the anglophone and the francophone eh? are they coming out and saying that they don't agree with what the military military is doing eh, in both these situations eh? no they're not eh? no they're not eh? are they coming forward and saying that they're not eh, supporting all these uh, 
election fraudulent things that are going on no like you know what i mean like bruh so jean dumont was 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 dumb and insensitive and rude for saying that like you know what i mean i feel like the same way he's saying that the educated leader should know where they're taking the mamileke people eh? even him as an educated individual he should know the things that he can say and what he can compare the the plights of african leaders to um you know what i mean he should have known better and therefore i feel like as a government as well we should have prioritized him apologizing for his statements you know what I mean? Like, oh, all these governments are not on our WhatsApp. I mean, maybe there are all these leaders on our WhatsApp group just, you know, giving each other's opinions and sharing it widely. But you know what I mean? Like, the whole idea that a whole government has to come forward and apologize for one person's indiscretion, I think that's that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So he had the nerve to say that stuff publicly it was wrong he should have had the nerve to apologize and if he didn't the government should have had the nerve to push his ass to apologize publicly yeah you know we don't we don't have to bow down the whole government the whole country yeah okay thank you <laughs> now for our shower yako segment eh? first of all last week we talked about akini and you know she was having issues with a friend of hers she was like should i cut this hoe off or what eh? So she actually sent us an update. She was like, you know, she journaled what her feelings were. She journaled what she valued about the friendship and how she participated in it. And she also wrote about what she would want her friendships to be moving forward and how she can better cultivate or foster those kind of relationships. And after doing that, she also said that she had reached out to her friends for a conversation and her friend was... <laughs> Someone just walked by to say hi to me. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, and she said that her friend uh, was basically like, I'll hit you up to talk uh, when I'm available. Um, and that hasn't happened since. And she's like, she ain't going to be chasing down that hoe to, 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 get, to get communication back. Eh? So, Akini, you know, I'm glad that you've gone through this process and you have at least you know, wrote down what it is that you're expecting from your friendships. And I feel like that will help you moving forward because I think even when you meet new people or even if you do reconnect with your friends, you already have an idea of the standards that you want to be met and what needs of yours that need to be met in your friendships. And you'll be moving towards, like you'll be moving in this whole um, friendship world a little bit more aware, a little bit more conscious about the things that trigger you or about the things that you enjoy and about the things that you value simply because you've you've written them down and you've made like the effort to be conscious about it um so we're here for you akini we support you and just remember there are seven billion people in the world it's like there are people out there who will love you in the way that you want to be loved and will help you grow you know what i mean so we want that for you now shari yako this week eh, the question for this week i'm telling y'all shari yako is about to be lit because Y'all are sending in questions. I'm so happy. So this comes from Diana. Diana, Diana. That's a techno song. Oh my God, I should make that the intro for this um, episode. Ashariya Kuzide comes from Diana. She says, when I was a little girl, I was so certain I wanted to have children and maybe get married. But now I'm not so sure about either. But not getting married doesn't bother me. Is that insane? Am I crazy for not wanting it as bad as the people around me do? 
and on having children as well, I don't think I want to have a child, at least not biologically. Also, I would be a shit mom, lolololol. But yeah, I'm turning 30 this year, and I'm wondering if there are some of the things, if these are some of the things that someone should have figured out in life at this point. Maybe it's an end of 20 crisis and a fear of 30. Is that a thing? Can you please share your wisdom because I'm going crazy over here? Thank you, Diana, for, for this question. Eh? So first, I would like to tell you, eh, you are not insane eh, for, for not being worried about being married. Eh? Let me tell you, I, I've seen married couples. I have seen married couples. Eh? And a lot of them will tell you, please, please do not get married if you have the choice. Eh? So let me tell you something. I would say that people who do not <laughs> idealize or like crave marriage could be a few of the sanest people we have out here you see these societies will we, we will try to to put you down we will try to give you things to worry about eh? then this is how they do hmm? they give you things to worry about eh? and then if you're not worried about those things eh? they make you become worried about the fact that you're not worried about them eh? do you see how this is a uh, a negative cycle. Eh? They are they are out to get you in any way that they can, eh? especially as women. Hmm? They are out to make you conform in any way that they can. Eh? And I think even as me, the more I come into my womanhood, I see the ways that my individualistic thinking is so tied to what society's expectations want from me. And I often find myself saying things like, I hope by the time I want to have kids, it'll be trendy to have a surrogate. <laughs> Because to me, I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to carry my own baby because I want to carry my own baby or if it's because in African culture, we've been socialized to think that it is such a great gift to carry your own baby. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to go through that pain? I just hope by the time I have a baby, it is trendy to have a surrogate. Eh? So that way I won't be judged. So that way I can just make my decision on the trend that is best for my body and best for me. You know what I mean? So, um, Diana, yeah, I feel like... The crisis that you're having, I feel like maybe the crisis that you're having is not about marriage and not about um, children, but more so, I think, a thing of comparison. Like maybe looking at yourself and then looking at the people around you and thinking, I am different from them in this way and I am not sure if my way is the right way. You know what I mean? And I feel like that is something that everyone has. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one is sure if their way is the right way because they're probably looking at you thinking, oh my God, if I didn't have these two ugly ass kids and this double as ugly husband, like I wouldn't be going through the drama that I'm going through. Like, you know what I mean? So that is your first error right there. Don't compare. Just look at your life and the decisions that you've made and realize that you've been operating and you've been making your own decisions based on what you want and need. I feel like the moment that you decide that you want to have a child or the moment that you decide you want to be married, I like to move around with the with the positive affirmation that those the the options or those choices will open up to you, right? And you will have your wide array of choice. You know what I mean? Maybe if you decide at 60, this will come in a different mode. But the moment that you open yourself up to um, a certain decision and you say that this is what I want, I feel like those um, consequences become available to you. You know what I mean? So, Diana, don't worry about these, eh? 
don't worry about this and life life is too short kids are not don't don't let these people tell you that kids are kids are the best thing to happen in your life eh? i think my mom is just starting to enjoy me eh, as a human being now that i can i can fend for myself eh? now that i can i can wipe myself after i can use the bathroom by myself i can wipe myself now that i can leave out of her house i feel like now is when she's starting to like me you know what i mean <laughs> You don't want somebody who's dependent on you for 18 years, girl. You don't want it anyways. Like, we don't, and this is the kind of messaging we need. We need both sides of the story or three sides of the story. We need the side where it's romantic. We need to romanticize, you know, having kids and having the husband, having the partner. But we also need to romanticize the not having kids, not having some, like, you know, partner to be worried about, like, like you know what I mean? Like it's all work. Like we need to romanticize all the options for ourselves as women. So that way we can all be comfortable with making whatever decision we have to make and not worry about societal pressures. Um but Tayana, please send us an update. And maybe it will come in six months, you will be three months pregnant or something, or you will be adopting. I, I don't know. Just uh update us on, on, on what's what is going on, eh? Or when you done that, yeah, let us know what you think. Um but yeah so that's it for this episode thank you guys so much for listening i will catch y'all next week now for those of all of you if those of you want to send a um shower yako by the way or just send feedback you can leave a comment on soundcloud or itunes make sure you review us on itunes actually um and by us i mean me myself and i You can also send us an email at 254carada at gmail.com. Hit us up on at 254carada on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And me, myself, and I, you can find me at I am Socrates. I will catch you guys next week.